You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Well, as you can instantly tell by the audio, we are not in the studio. In fact, by the time this podcast is over, we will be 2,000 miles from the studio. We haven't done this in a while. It is a mid-road trip podcast. We are currently driving through Ohio. We're on the phone, as you can tell, and we're both in our cars. Todd's in the 300Z. I'm in the 928. Todd, what is the mileage, Shay? Because my odometer is not currently working. Uh, currently, it is. We are 1,968 miles from home. Wow. Yep. That's impressive. Cars yes, are doing is. good. They are doing good. I'm thrilled to, to say that and share that. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining. This does sound different, obviously, because the uh, ambient noise in the 928 is rather loud. And, I'm and, wearing and noise why is that, Paul? Well, why, why, why is well, the noise loud? it's because of the throaty, amazing Porsche V8. That's why. It's and not the, because of what the windows have to do? Well, it's the lack of ceiling, and the sunroof is misaligned, and it's just generally noisy at the edge of the windshield, and yeah, but, there's a lot of noise. But I'm talking about the utter lack of air conditioning that has caused you to try to do most of the trip oh, yeah. with the windows down. Yeah, that. I've got no air conditioning whatsoever, and that's because... The car has not been upgraded to R134. It's still running on the R12, and I haven't found anybody to recharge it for me because I, they're scarce, few and far between, let's put it that way, and I haven't yeah, had time to sure. convert it over. So I'm sweating. Meanwhile, Todd <laughs> is basking in luxury, and I will start there with a question, even though we have much to discuss. Yeah. There's a question from Alex HC 9 on Instagram, who says, Paul, what modern feature, well, for both of us, Paul and Todd, what modern feature would you like on the 928 and 300ZX on the road trip? Okay. Bluetooth, some sort of tech. I just want air recirculation. That's right. Not only does this car not have cruise control, there's no air recirc button whatsoever. Mm, mm. And the AC doesn't work, and so I wear noise-canceling headphones. Yeah, it's, it's yes. a lot of fun. But hey, it's running... 39-year-old car. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, well, and you and I have just been laughing about the fact we just stopped at a gas station, and once we got far enough east, we found something we've never seen, because we've always lived in the west. It's 93-octane gasoline. This 300ZX yeah. is set up for 93. That's what it's tuned for, but I, even when I owned my first one, I've never put any 93 in a 300ZX until this trip, and boy, is it happy, and I think your car might be even happier. <laughs> it's very happy. Fourth gear, it revs so well. I'm telling you, the engine is my least worrisome part at this point. <laughs> the engine's well, great. It just runs. It's excellent. We're also down at low altitude, so the air is like soup compared to what these <laughs> yeah. cars are used to. So as a result, I mean, we're we're doing really, really well on the cars running and being very happy with the gas and the air that they're, they're able to do. There's still a lot of miles ahead. We've actually, we're on the back of Thursday when we're recording this. You're listening to it on Friday when many of you will meet us at the uh, Philly meetup. We're very, very excited about that. And then, of course, yeah, Dadwood is sure. on Saturday. Our, our friends at Haggerty, I don't know if you knew this, but our friends at Haggerty are now the owners of Radwood. And yeah. they actually said that people that are part of the Haggerty Drivers Club 
can still get tickets for Radwood. So there is an inroad there. If you're interested, if you want to come last minute, I haven't. Look, I'm driving. I can't check into exactly how to do it. But I know it's possible because my friends at Haggerty told us it was possible. That's really cool. We're going to try to record a mini podcast for the uh, Driving While Awesome podcast while we're at Radwood with those guys. We're looking forward to that. And uh, I'm just excited to meet many of you at the meetup on Friday night. We still have a day and a half of driving to do. This road trip has been so fun. Yeah, it has. It has uh, the roads have been better than I thought. I was really worried that we were going to spend days, like because we're making a five-day trip, days on a freeway that just felt like an interstate with traffic and was just brutal. I was worried about days of that. Most of this trip is what we're doing right now. You can't see it, but what is it? What it is is it's a highway, it's a divided highway, two lanes each direction with a big grass median, and very little traffic has been most of the drive. And while that's not a fun, windy mountain road, the difference between that and the few times we have had to skirt cities and be in traffic is profound. Yeah, agreed. Well, we didn't expect to have as much fun. I mean, we had stuff planned. Yes. And we, we came through Nebraska. And we stopped in Alliance, Nebraska at Carhenge. <laughs> yes. And then after that, we found some back roads. We thought, well, we're going straight east. Why dip down to the freeway when we can just take some back roads? And we could do, I don't know, freeway speeds, you know, good, healthy speeds that actually gained us time going east, and the roads were good. We were shocked. It was actually great. So we're thrilled about that. And yes, we're in Athens County, Ohio right now. We've just left Hawking Hills, which is a cool area. I had no idea, Todd, and you had spotted it. And uh, you said used by, I think, Car and Driver for some yes, of their stuff there is, and probably some other outlets. But, yeah, we had never experienced it, just shot there, and that'll be part of this film. Yeah, that's definitely all of this stuff is part of the film. I mean, we've, we've covered every place we've stopped. It's very much like the West Coast film, but even bigger, if you can believe it, because we had various places we wanted to stop. We picked places on the map that we would have never gone to otherwise, and we've had fun at every one of those places. So this, this road trip, it's funny because this is a road trip I feel like you and I were both kind of dreading because we just thought yeah. it was going to be a little bit murderous as far as what the days were going to be like. And the days have been long, especially when you consider shooting, but yeah. the driving's been better than we expected and the stops have been more fun. So across the board, maybe we just need to come in with low expectations, but across the board we've had a blast <laughs> and I cannot wait to share this film with you guys. And it's going to be part of season 11 as a two-parter, and then shortly thereafter it'll be as an even bigger single part on YouTube. So there's lots of edit to do because we're, uh, yeah, I keep dumping the footage and being astounded by how much footage every day. It's going to be great. It's going to be long. Yeah, there's so many parts to this road trip, but that's what road trips are about. We just, we've had a great time, and I think you're right, Todd. I, I agree. It's been one of those things where I thought, all right, there's going to be stretches, you know, hit the audio books and just forget about it while I'm sweating and it's been better than that I've been very very happy good and 928 she's doing good very very pleased by that there are still car stories that come out of it but we can't ruin the whole thing so we won't tell you all of it but yeah there's there's stuff going on still but uh there was a conversation that came out of this road trip that we should visit because we needed a support vehicle and I won't bother you guys with all of the machinations but we needed a support vehicle we decided to bring the GR86 so those of you at the the Philly meetup can actually see it and also we thought it was a good support vehicle that wouldn't get 18 or less miles to the gallon like our other two cars (laughs) so we brought it but we needed somebody to drive it and after a lot of work to figure out who was going to come with us a guy named Derek 
who on Discord, if you're a patron, you know him on Discord as Turtle Slayer. He is with us. And first off, I will explain, if you don't know the Turtle Slayer story, it was from a while back when Derek asked a question about how should he feel about the fact that as a person taking driver's ed, he was in the middle of the road and there was a turtle in the middle of the road and his instructor essentially had him run over it. And how should he feel about that? And once that story was out, he was nicknamed Turtle Slayer on the Discord. And so that has lived on. So he's had a cool question for us as a part of kind of, a, I mean, what have we talked about for four days? Cars. So he's asked a question about cul-de-sac cars. He actually asked it of me since I kind of coined the term, but Paul and I have talked about it a lot. It's that car, and I use my Lotus, where once you buy it, you realize there's not a progression in that line beyond that car. For example, with the Lotus, I can't get another more analog, still a daily, lightweight sports car. I mean, I could go Caterham, I could go Morgan Freewheeler, but those are even less possible to do as a daily. So as far as like a car I can drive regularly with a top that is raw and hardcore and analog, I'm pretty much done at the Lotus. There's not a next step. So his so question... Interesting. Yeah, and I kind of discovered that by accident, and that leads to his question. His question was, there's been a discussion on Discord, and let me, let me stop there real quick. A few of you that are patrons that are on Discord have mentioned to me recently how much you love our Discord. And this was something created by a guy named Matt, and he, he partnered with us and created it a few years back. And it's the main thing that happens when you're one of our patrons. You can be on Patreon. It's through our sponsors page. You can find the link there. And the people that are our patrons are all on Discord. And, and it is, you guys have told us that this is the nicest, most helpful car forum you've ever been involved with. I know car forums sometimes can be acidic and oh, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. but... I, it's interesting because Paul and I are on there some, but there are tons of people, including Turtle Slayer, that are on there all the time, and they have all pointed out to me, kind of had to help Paul and I understand how helpful and nice that group has been, and I am thrilled that that community has built up around this show, and if, you're, if it's something you want to be a part of, you can be on Patreon, and you can end up on Discord as a result, and those conversations are great and deep. Anyway, I could agree note. more. I, yes. I totally agree, and it's been great to see friendships grow. And even Derek has bought his own GR86. He had a list of <laughs> yes. cars going far more expensive than that car, and that's what prompted his question. But the Discord has produced friendships, best friends. And mm -hmm. actually, finally, my wish came true. <laughs> cars were sold on Discord to other yes. Dis Discordians. Dis other Discordians. I like that. I that's think. very good. Yep. So, so yep. people have actually bought and sold cars on Discord, but... Derek's question, even though we've talked about it before, it came up, and Todd, it struck me as we were driving through barn find country in Ohio and winding our <laughs> way down to Hocking Hills, peeking yes, in yes. people's garages, and I saw Mustangs that weren't that old, like maybe a decade old, up on blocks, doing the build, doing stuff. Yeah. Another guy was mowing his lawn, and he had an orange dart from the 70s that looked pristine, perfect. Those are those people's cul-de-sac cars because not yeah. just the driving experience, because of emotion too. And we keep talking about whatever car you bring on a road trip, get out here and do this. Now, ideally, yes. it's some kind of fun sports car. If you want to ratchet up the fear and dollar factor, bring an old car that's <laughs> 30 or more years old. Yes. But otherwise, get out here and do this. It's not, you know, every car out here is... I'm on. I'm passing an Audi Q7 right now. It's white. It's yep. perfect, brilliant. It'll run forever. It's the most reliable thing in comparison to the 928. But <laughs> I know we're getting to your, looks. Your 30 year, that's funny. I like it. I mean, I know yeah. people are going, 
Man, look at that. How cool is that? Those idiots. Why are they out here yes. in a not modern car? But I want to say there's, it's added to the adventure for both of us. Uh-huh. And then this destination. We've had a few destinations along the way that have turned out even better than we thought. <laughs> even funnier. But the Hocking Hills area and driving those roads, we'd never been there. And we dipped down yep. in and thought, well, this is great. Yes. And we brought great cars to experience them in. So, all right, if you have to suffer a little bit to then have that reward of these great roads, fine. I, I'm all for it. So we discussed that in the film. But I'm intrigued by cul-de-sac cars because of emotions involved. Mm, that's it's, good. It was yes. your father's. It was your mother's. It was an heirloom passed down. It was part of the family. You're never get, getting rid of that car. There is never a next after that car. There's only in addition to that. Yeah, but that, we refer that, yeah. to it in terms of the driving experience. And I hate to say it, fewer and fewer cars are in that category, even though all enthusiasts can talk about right now are the Supra, the manual Supra, the GR86, the forthcoming uh-huh. GR Corolla, yeah, the Z the car. Z. Yep. I mean, we've, we're in a sports car renaissance right now. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. How amazing is that? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the thing, to, to further define this point, think about a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood. Your only option is to get off that street, okay? That's why the term is being used. So if you have a cul-de-sac card, I like that your point is that it's maybe you have it for emotion and you can't get rid of it. But mm-hmm. the thing is, it's, you're not buying the next updated Mustang. You're going to keep Dad's Mustang and go buy what other, other car that is a completely different block of the neighborhood, to stay with the analogy, and that's the issue where I'm at with my Lotus. But what came up on Discord was the question of, can you seek out a cul-de-sac car? Oh, and I yeah. don't know if you can, because I didn't, I didn't buy the Lotus thinking, well, after I have the Lotus Elise, there's not another car in that direction. I just wanted the Lotus. And then after driving it, and I've had almost five years now, which is insane, after driving it for a while, I realized there isn't a progression from here in this vein, on this street, if you will. And I, that's when I realized the cul-de-sac idea exists. And I don't think it's something that is worth trying to find to buy. But I do think once you own something, and it could be for emotional reasons or otherwise, you realize this car has to always stay. And if it doesn't stay, then I have to go somewhere totally different than where I am right now. Hmm. You're right, but it's different for everybody. Because yes. we look at it as enthusiast driving and... Even though I do love power, that guy's coming out. Hello. Yep, that's pretty fun. Awesome. That was great Thank choice, you, sir. Ma'am. Thank you. That was awesome. I like oh, that a lot. Jeez. Okay. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, it's you, different. How much different you like power? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like power. I like braking power too. Jeez. Even though I do love that, I look at the incremental steps that are done in the models, especially you, you can see it in the German progression think, well, if you can do 500 horsepower, why don't you just put it in the car and we'll be done? Well, what comes for the future? They're almost leaving room for themselves with every iteration, every generation change of performance car. It's almost like they back off intentionally. I mean, we're, mm. we're at a very high level now, but I thought in the 2000s, how could we get more than 500 horsepower? Really? 500 horsepower. That is awesome. Sure, yeah. yeah. Corvette Z06, 10, 10 or more years ago. Wow, this is amazing. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I love cars for 
what they do for you from a driving standpoint, but the emotion has to creep in too because I've thought about selling the Cayman. Nope. Yeah. I'm taking the 50 exit here and stand by. All right. Got a downshift. Double clutching has to happen with every gear. How's that shifting going there for you, Paul? It's um, adventurous. <laughs> Come on, baby. Ah. <laughs> there we go. Parkersburg. 50 East. Parkersburg. There we go. Hey, look, a refinery. That's, That's where this awesome 93 octane juice comes from, right? <laughs> My car really likes this stuff. Yeah, it, it does. 93 it's is a good thing. Very happy. Yeah, 93 is good. It feels like race gas. It's not, but, but <laughs> I think not. honestly, I think I think 93 combined with this low altitude is like us putting 100 race gas in an altitude where we're used yeah. to. It's that kind of thing. It's crazy. Totally. Totally. All right. Don't brake on an on-ramp. Sheesh. Dude. All right. All right. We're having all kinds of fun right now. Man. Yeah. I'm glad that you guys can be with us, like, live for the experience <laughs> that we're having as we blast our way through Ohio. What I yeah. What is cool is we're a rolling car show because we have your 928 with your stick shift license plate. We yep. have my 300ZX with my history license plate, and we have the GR86 that says show car on it. So oh, check all this of our, out. We're yeah. in West Virginia. We're going over the bridge, over the Ohio River right now. Well, there you go. That is the live crossing into another state. Okay. Well, all right. Well, it was bound to happen awesome. at some point. Anyway, I have sorry. never been in West Virginia in my life, and I'm in West Virginia right now. Yeah. So uh, I, hope this, I hope you are enjoying the immediacy that is this podcast. <laughs> Because that that is a that is a bizarre way to do this, but we're having I fun. I record that. Agree, agreed. So, all right, good. The cul-de-sac idea, I think, is not worth pursuing, but it is worth finding, and those are two separate realities. I don't think that but trying. There's no to guarantee out, you can. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. Because you may buy. Uh, I mean, okay, the one everybody's talking about, the GR Corolla. That's yeah. not a cul-de-sac car. No. I, I can imagine somebody buying it and deciding they never want to get rid of it for whatever reason. Okay, but there will be another hot hatch. There is another hot hatch that is, if you will, more hot and hatchy than that hot hatch will be. And it's not even out yet. So yeah, true. I, I don't feel like in what it offers, it will be a cul-de-sac. But I think it is possible to buy one and decide, I love this car so much, I'll never get rid of it. And it becomes a cul-de-sac that way. Of course, we always encourage new experiences but in this metaphor it's this is the new experience that requires you to pick a different street and there will always be some variant of hot hatch i mean imagine the first all-wheel drive all-electric hot hatch is going to be a world beater it'll be so fast yeah and it'll have some weird noise that we haven't quite defined yet and that'll be craziness and that'll be after the gr corolla and you know that's going to come that that is more likely to come than a really good lightweight battery powered sports car yeah yeah you're right well as i was saying about the cayman i keep rediscovering that car and even though it's not the pinnacle of porsche cayman and porsche at their peak cayman powers i keep rediscovering and think all right especially in today's market todd i mean we've you know experienced just everything that everyone else is experiencing just looking at high prices going all right do i i really want to sell it i mean what's the reason and I, I, weirdly, I want you to sell the Lotus and me to sell the Cayman simply for purposes of the show. Simply to get what's sure. next and say, here we moved on and new content and all that stuff. Live with the cars. 
But we are doing that with these two, the Z and the 928, which I like. Yeah. Just yeah. in a different way. But just our performance sports cars, I want us to move on the, from those just for purposes of new content. But yet, you love the Lotus, and now I don't see it going anywhere. I'm not quite done with the Cayman. I think I need it for a little while longer. Just, Interesting. I'm. It's summer driving season again. I can't wait to get back in it. I want to experience yeah. it. Some yeah, more. yeah. We've got the Utah Adventure to do again. And with the car market, I'm going, all right, the next car that I actually want, I don't have the dollars. So maybe I should <laughs> hang on to this car. Sure. So there's a myriad of reasons. But to your point, yeah, it's definitely worth finding. But there's no guarantee that you will. So how do you know once you've actually landed on that car? Man, you don't want to sell a car for financial reasons, of course. And there's emotion attached, but... You know, once you have that in your life, I think it's just, I think it's like falling in love. You just know. I, I'm glad you connected that because I was going to go there. I mean, I, I remember having this conversation with my wife a long time ago before we were even engaged. And I, and I made the comment to her because we started, my wife and I started as friends. In fact, I met her because she was dating a friend of mine. So yeah, drama ensued. But the <laughs> point is, <laughs> we started as friends. And... When we got to dating, and it was it was one of those we got to one of those kind of pivotal moments that happens in a relationship where it's like, okay, either this continues and gets more serious, or this needs to be done. And I made uh-huh. the comment to her where I said, my problem is, I don't want a situation where we're no longer this, because I know how that goes. After you stop dating somebody, you're not really friends with them. I mean, there's the rare exception, but in general, that person will fade out of your life. If you're not, if yeah. you get to a place where you're dating them, you stop dating them, they're kind of on the way out. And I said, that's unacceptable to me with you. And I said to my wife, I, I want to, I, I, I'm not okay with you fading away out of my life. And that was a pivotal realization for me of, so I guess this needs to continue and get more serious. And I think those kind of, I mean, you're talking about it as falling in love, Paul, but I think that's connective tissue here. You have to have that conversation and feel that way about the car. And I do feel that way about the Lotus. It doesn't mean the Lotus is around forever, but sure. I, I am of the demeanor where I realize if I let this car go, there isn't another like this that happens again. And I have to be okay with that time in my life completely ending. And in general, you and I very much encourage move on, get the new experience. But sure. there are certainly yeah. things, and, and I was in the Lotus this past week, right before we left. I was in it again going, I, look, I was in the Z and the 86 and the Lotus in the same 24 hours, and the <laughs> Lotus just made me cackle. I just thought, this car is unlike either of these other two sports cars at all. There are similarities between the 86 and the Z. The Lotus is by itself. And I want to mm-hmm. keep that feeling in my life and that experience in my life, and that keeps that car around. And then you talked about the emotion. My wife also said to me, and she's probably right, that that car has made such an impression on my son that I have to at least keep the Lotus until he's old enough to have driven it a few times. If I really want to get rid of it, it's got to be after he's 16 so he can say that he's driven it, which, you know what, I have to default to her on that because I think she's absolutely right. So that adds emotion on top of it. So that's why it is that for me, but... Hopefully, in most cases, most cars any of us will encounter have their era, their time period, and then they move on. And I'll go here. There may be a time in my life when I am too old to get in and out of the Lotus. That will be the end of the time period because I'm not going to let it sit in the garage. Yeah. Yeah. Although auctions are predicated solely 
on cul-de-sac cars based on emotion for people because I sure. think people realize I had that car, it left my life for whatever reason, and I want it back. Sure. Now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are a terrible way to buy the car back. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but. That's why people rebuy the same car. That's why I bought the 928 U to Z. You know, we're experiencing these cars again. I think they're mm-hmm. different eyes because you and I started in those cars and discovered sports car driving. Yeah. But then, after years of doing the show and years of self-realization, not just about ourselves but also about our driving styles and our abilities, improving hopefully throughout the years. I think we're Ideally. driving these with different ears and eyes and sensibilities, and maybe that's made us say, okay, I've got it back in my life, and now I can confirm that, and now I can leave it again, because it came back, and you were older, and you had that time again. I think that's fair, too, because not every car is going to be in a a Lotus Elise. No car handles like that car does, really, short of race cars and Formula One cars. But what is that cul-de-sac car to you? What is the reason? And I think whatever that is, is totally fine. It really is. With summer approaching and temperatures warming up, why not be prepared by protecting your vehicle with a custom-fit dash mat and a sunscreen from Covercraft? Dash mats are available in a variety of attractive fabrics and colors and keep your dashboard from being cracked by the sun. And we swear by our Covercraft sunscreens. They fit perfectly and help reduce those interior temperatures. Keep the sun off of all the interior surfaces. If you've ever burned your legs on your leather seats, you didn't have a sunscreen. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, remember to use our code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers that keep your car protected and looking its best. We should probably move on from that to some questions. You guys have bombarded us with questions, and thank you. You've seen that Derek is joining us. Many of you have asked Derek questions. Of course, he's obviously not on this podcast, but he's right now driving along behind us in the 86, and he's probably filming something as he does, which is helpful as well. There is so much footage, guys, I can't even tell you. But there was a question in here from Revs Up who said he just got his allotment of an 86, and he was going to put PPF on the entire car. But talking about cul-de-sac, this is his retirement car, and he thinks he'll Whoa. keep it forever. But then he asked the question, if full PPF, if getting the entire paint protection film on the car costs him $5,000, and getting just like the hood and the rockers done like we did is half that, if the car doesn't stick around forever, should he still get the whole thing done? Should he just mm. get the hood and the rockers done? And I think that the answer here is twofold. I... I hate the idea ever of buying a car for the person that has it after you. So if right. you Ugh. if you revs up yeah. are going to drive the car more, be less precious and with more abandon because it has full PPF, then I think you need to get it whether you keep the car for the rest of your life or for 5 years. Because that if that frees you up to just drive it, then it's absolutely the answer. And I, let's let's plan for you to have that car a while, but let's not Let's not tie it to it has to be around forever either. If you need to let it go, fine. But how are you going to use it? And I feel like you're going to use it better if it's fully covered. Uh, Maybe not, but you're talking about driving it year-round, having winter tires, doing the full year-round thing. So I think that if if you can do the full coverage, that's your initial, initial idea that you wanted to. I say do that because I think you will be happier. 
It's interesting. There's another question from I'm the car kid. Don't worry. We were stopped at a light at Highway 77. There's a, actually a stoplight <laughs> for the freeway entrance there. What point do you say screw it and buy the car anyway, even if it needs work? <laughs> now, I'm the car kid says he saw a Suzuki SX4 for two grand, probably a solid seven out of ten, needs a few things, but overall pretty clean and thought it would be a great winter beater, but he sat and contemplated it for so long, it sold. Ah. Wow. It, yeah, it's it's a bad feeling when you think, ah, I've got some time, nobody's really interested in that car, and then it gets sold out right from under you. It's the opposite of buyer's remorse. Oh, <laughs> got away, especially in this car market. The cars that yep. get away, oh, man. It's a fight to get those, but it depends on... If you've driven the car, and if you like it enough where you think, I can justify spending dollars on that thing. Agreed. You know, it's hard to know. It's really hard to say. Okay, just go ahead and buy the car because you're interested in it enough that you're going to have it longer than a year or longer than two years. It might not happen. So that's tough. There has to be a, a qualifications list in your mind that you know you'll you'll keep it longer than a year and therefore the money that you put into it will be justified. For me on the 928, I had no timetable. I just knew that I wanted a 928 back in my life. It's been a roller coaster. It's been really up and down for me. I've hated this car at one point. I've loved it. <laughs> and then now with 93 octane in it, it's really come to life and I'm quite happy with it, even though it doesn't yeah. have air conditioning. But You've got to know, and and like I said, there's not a master checklist. We can't give that to you. We can't say, well, it's got to, you know, do all these things. Handle well, you love the looks, good tech. But if you've driven it and you know that, you know, hey, I, I want it back in my life. But here's the second part about that. If it's a car that needs a lot of work, I'll bet you it's a car that's been in your life before because it's an older car. If it's a car that needs a lot of work and it's two or three years old, run away, right? Mm, mm, sure. There's no point. It's too new. Yeah. yeah. But if it's a car that needs a lot of work, that tells me that it's A, older, and B, you've probably been eyeing it for a while or used to have one, which means you're ready to put money into it, right? That's what that's Maybe. My, my thinking yeah. around that because, you know, like I said, it's hard to say. Oh, you're considering a 15-year-old car that you never had before? Yeah. Hope you have a you know a nice pool of cash out in the back. But it's tough to just say go for it. But again, if you know you want that car and you know you love it, I think it's justified. But once you do, you're required to drive it. You've got to get out of here because well, yes, I'm enjoying us driving these cars. This car needs new shocks badly. Some of these bumps <laughs> are killing me. But I'm out here doing it. We're out here. We're, engine's running great, and it's taken me 2,000 miles at this point. That's so funny. In fact, we just rolled over 2,000 miles in the last minute. That's how Did recently really? that's happened, which is really cool. I mean, I knew a guy once who he bought a new winter beater. Sorry, a new old winter beater every <laughs> right, winter. Okay? He would buy oh, something for $1,000 or less, and he would just try to get it to limp through the winter and eventually it would break down and he'd be bumming rides from friends because he wasn't going to put any extra money into that car. Oh it was gosh. just buy it, let it stumble along and then when it dies, it dies. 
And this is always my concern with the $2,000 or the just buy, I'm going to buy the car as the winter beater because either it's going to be on the side of the road dead and you're going to have to just walk away because you don't care or you're going to have to open up your wallet and brace yourself. So <laughs> can, can you do that? I mean, you, Paul, were in a position with a desire to work on that 928. Yeah. But if you'd bought it for the price you bought it for, thirteen five, and you had no interest in A, spending money on it, or B, having it around indefinitely, then the first time it had a catastrophic break, you would have been like, and we're done. And I think You're right. a, two, a $2,000 car is going to have something go wrong. Oh, so yeah. you have to come in with the headspace of, I am prepared to either just go, all right, whatever, tow it, junkyard it, or okay, here comes the money. And I don't know when I read that question that you're in that place. So it makes me cautious for you. You know, I almost bought this, I guess, maybe 8% of the reason was to save it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. To save it from being junked or, you know, driven and then thrown away or, you know, whatever. I just thought I... I've got such a soft spot for this car. I don't know mm, why. Mm. There's people who've written us. They've got a soft spot for British machinery and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. We're going, why? Why did I do that? I, it's inexplicable because we're all infected. But yeah. I just thought, uh, 8% of me just needs to save that so it doesn't A, sit, or B, get wrecked and junked. Kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, for sure. Thomas Downey on... I, I'm glad you saved it. I, I It horrifies me to hear your stories, but I am glad you saved it. I'm Thomas, horrified to tell them. <laughs> go it watch sucks. our cost... Go watch our costs video. It's oh. both of us standing with the hoods up on these cars. We give you the update right before taking this road trip. And it uh, it's, it's pretty chilling to hear Paul's story. But Thomas Downey on Facebook is asking if the big monster fully loaded truck is the new midlife crisis vehicle. He says a few people around him have just sold their boring CUVs and bought massively highly specced, overly capable, huge monster trucks. Mm. And I think, yes, they are the new midlife crisis vehicle because they are fueled somewhat by the CUV. We are spoiled with the CUVs of the world that they have to have ride height and they have to have all these amenities. They're bland otherwise, but they have to have all those things. And what's so interesting about all normal cars, if you will, you can't see the air quotes, plus I'm driving, the thing about all normal cars being comfortable and having lots of tech and that kind of stuff is it has changed the supercar market and the truck market because now we no longer get into either one of those kinds of vehicles and accept them to be quirky and to not have stuff. Our supercars have got to have everything that our mundane sedan does. So does our big pickup. You can't just buy, if you think about it, a Ford Raptor that's just the Raptor tech and manual transmission and no interesting stereo and rubberized seats. You can't buy that. That doesn't exist. It's got to be a fully loaded out F-150, nice Raptor interior. You can sit there with your mug o coffee in stop-and-go traffic. But it also has to be able to be launched off a dune at 70 miles an hour. It has to do both. And I think people are ruined if you will, and I I say people, we're all this way. We're all ruined to having the luxury, to having the tech. So when we decide what is the extension of what I already have, I think that sports cars, because they are low, 
and because they are the minority, I think they deter people when they're thinking in midlife crisis terms. And a truck feels like I can express myself without the sacrifices of being low and small and worrying about the fact that I'm in this smaller vehicle. I think a lot of people feel that way. I, I Honestly, it strikes me every time I drive my Lotus next to an 18-wheeler, I go, oh wow, this is a very small car. I don't think most people want that experience. I think they want to feel like, well, I'm even more in command of the road. My midlife crisis is, I'm going to run you over. And so you have the Raptor and the TRX and these kind of things. I think that is a great answer. It's interesting. Well, uh, we've got so many great questions on here. We can't go to them all, of course, and we're driving. Yes. But, man, we are so looking forward to meeting many of you in Philadelphia at Radwood or at our fan meetup. And thanks to Mandy for putting that on and helping us with reservations and just kind of keeping on us to make it happen because there's so much going on. Totally. I have one last question I want to touch on because of the meetup. Kirk Carson is asking on behalf of his wife, Jen, who we are apparently going to meet because Jen is tolerating coming to the meetup, (laughs) which is going to be a room full of car people. How does Jen cope without feeling like she's being left out? Jen, this is going to be hard. I will admit it's going to be hard. You are going to need to find the other plus ones, (laughs) the other spouses that are there, that are there because they're being supportive. That will there'll be a camaraderie of that group. I have no doubt in my mind that that will occur. Also, you can ask the people that are there what they like about cars, or you can talk about your own car. It doesn't need to be an enthusiast car. Share with right. everybody else what car you have. That will be the commonality of the entire room. But it's that question that you always say, Paul, that I really like, and it's influenced my son as well because it, it's it really has taught him an entrance into small talk. And that is where you talk to people and you just say, tell me something cool. And it doesn't have to be cars. And you know what? You you know what? Here's a challenge, Jen. You could challenge everybody in the room. Anybody you start talking to, ask them to tell you something cool that's not cars. (laughs) That's why I like that question so much because I want to know what's cool to you. Yes, I might not think it's cool, but I ask. That's not important. When I meet somebody, tell me something cool. Yep. Maybe it is, but what's cool to you? Tell, help me learn what's going on in, in your life. And it's always interesting to hear the thing that comes out is the thing that's right under the skin. It could yep. be an injury. It, can, it could be health. It could be family. It could be job, money, all those kinds of things, which are valid. Or it can be, I'm going traveling. I've never been to Hawaii. I've never been here. You know, I'm going yeah, someplace. Yeah. And I'm super excited. And it's an entrance to allow that person to tell me what's just under the skin without yep. me trying to figure it out. Okay, so what's going on with your family, your travel plans? Your No, just tell me something <laughs> cool. What's cool to you? Yeah, and for sure. And that can be cars. That can be anything. And I, I enjoy that question. The problem is when they turn it around on me and they say, well, now you go. I've told you something I think is cool. Now uh-huh. you go. And I'm like, ah, crap. <laughs> i got to think of something real quick. It's going to be all all cars all the time. But, Jen, I hope you join us. Also, shout out to Jared Rose, one who told us a bunch of stuff about Hawking Hills and was going to join us today, I think. And then he let us know that he is a father as of today. So, uh, yeah, or or maybe not a father, but maybe he's an additional dad. He has a new one as of this morning. So congratulations on that. And I understand why you weren't in Hawking Hills today. You were where you needed to be. 
For all of you that are joining us in Philly, thank you. We're looking forward to it tonight by the time you hear this. And also, we look forward to seeing many others of you at Radwood. If you see us at Radwood, please say hello. Because we, yes. uh, we'll yes. just be walking around doing stuff. We have a little bit of shooting to do, but we'd love to say hello to you. We're excited to see all the cars, and we are thrilled to think we will have our cars there after more than 2,000 miles. And thank you guys for all your support. We really appreciate your questions. Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions. And as I always say, most of all, your car debates. Because that what's, that's what makes the podcast run. That's yep, your absolutely. stories. And, and we love talking cars with all of you. We feel like you're all of our car friends. So thank you very much. We're looking forward to next time. Looking forward to Philly and Radwood. Cheers, everyone.